and welcome to the Grassroots Coachcast episode 4. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. And I'm Ben. How are you doing? Today we're going to be talking about coaching your own children, the challenges and the rewards that go with it. And in our retro review, we'll be taking a look back at the crazy gang of Wimbledon FC. Okay, so Ben, how's it been going? Yeah, been uh, it's been <laughs> been a challenging week with the uh, with the team. So uh, as we as we said last week, we had a good win five two. So we hadn't trained for a couple of weeks because uh, I was ill. So I was I was very enthusiastic about my first training session after the first uh, day of the course. So I had my plan do review uh, in my head. So for the probably for the first time, I did a really structured. Plan. I always have a plan, but I really I wrote this one out and I made it quite graphical. As I obviously I sent it to you and you saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I arrived full of enthusiasm, and uh, it's fair to say it was quite quite a challenging session. <laughs> um, there was quite there was a fair bit of messing around from uh, from my lad and the assistant manager's lad as well. Strangely enough, um, so. That was a bit frustrating. I spent quite a lot of time. In the end, I had to pull them to one side, the pair of them, and have a bit of a chat because they were just messing around constantly, and it was it was driving me mad. Um, and there was a little bit. I got a sense of quite a lack of focus this week, which is odd because they've not they're not normally like that. Obviously, they get a bit distracted between routines, and you know when you're talking to them sometimes. But yeah, there was quite a lot of messing around and a bit of a lack of focus, which kind of did my head in a bit. I don't know if that was because we hadn't trained for a couple of weeks or mm-hmm. I'd not been, not been at the game. Um, so I introduced a couple of warm-up activities, which pretty straightforward. They weren't very complicated. Um, and the, fir- the first one, which you saw, was uh, just three little cones in the middle and five players in the little exercise. And they just had to pass bat- battles and forwards through the cones and run round to the other side when they'd done it. Mm-hmm. So it was very short little soft passes and of course i had two two of these going at once and all i could see was the ball flying about 20 meters away and i'm, I'm like going why are kids why are you chasing footballs across the whole pitch and i ended up showing them sort of two or three times i was like you know little dink it off small pass run around and they kept doing it. they just kept booting the ball so hard it was crazy. In the end, they got it and it it worked quite well. But initially, they just didn't get. It was just you know watching the weight of your pass, which is sort of part of the point of doing it, really. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, so you had four cones, player each side, basically passing to it. One player's passing to the other. Uh, bring it in with your one foot and play it back with your other foot. So mm-hmm. it's like control pass using both feet. Yeah. And I showed them probably three times with one of the lads. And they, and literally, they all just stood around going, I don't get it. What have I got to do? <laughs> um, and partly in my, I was in the, doing a plan do review, uh, probably there was a bit of confusion the way I laid the cones out, possibly. Mm-hmm. So they, they weren't probably laid out as well as I could have done. So that probably didn't help. But yeah, that, they just genuinely didn't get it, which was surprising because they're normally quite good at, you know, you show them a routine, they tend to pick it up. 
but things did perk up after that and they we did we did some kind of one-on-one defending stuff and a bit of possession stuff but just generally a bit ragged and at the end I said to them all how do you think we trained today and one of them just said rubbish and I, was just, and I thought well there you go and I said well why was that and he said oh we weren't we weren't listening properly and I said well good well let's go away and think about that and next week we'll come back and hopefully we'll be a bit more focused but there'll be a bit of a chat about general behavior before we start I think so mm. but I gather you, you had a bit of a, a bit of a time of it today as well by the sound of it what happened yeah I think it, it could be that you know, just a coincidence, or it could be, you know, the kids trying to just chop us down to size. You know, you think you're going off on this course, you think you're something special now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show you who's the boss, really, you know. So, um, yeah, I think we we had a challenging one as well. Um, what I will say is that the, the warm-up routines that I picked up on the course – yeah, um, I did those, and those went down really well. So I think I talked to that last last episode where I, I talked about the old, you know, you have a couple of players, um, and they'll count, you know, one, and then the other player counts two, and then three, and then you introduce uh, when you say one, right? You do some kind of warm up activity, so you do high knees or something. Yeah. When I shout two. You know, you do do the old bum flicks, you know, heel to bum kind of thing. And then three, you know, you jump up as high as you can and do a header. Yep. So, and we built that up and um, it, it was uh, it was a lot slower, you know, and it took us a little while to get there, um, yep. quicker than, you know, a bunch of like 13, 40-year-old blokes. Obviously, it, it took a little bit of head scratching and then, but when they got it, it really got into it and really enjoyed it you know yeah and uh also we played the the game of snatch so you know if you do the old heads shoulders knees and toes and when you shout toes try and drag the ball back you know so again you've got two of them paired up yeah trying to grab the ball and so it started off you know the whole warm-up was was quite fun um and i think they're they really enjoying it and then we tried to so, so for the last about I guess five or six weeks. I think I mentioned before we've been focusing on the ball control, the ball mastery. So not so much on just possession and passing. Mm. And uh, so today was was the time to to try and focus on that. Um, and it's it, it, I guess it felt just a little bit like uh, snakes and ladders. You know, so we'd been yeah, yeah. we'd been climbing the ladders, and then we possibly hit a, a little bit of a snake where, you know, everything seemed a little bit of a struggle. You know, yeah. and and um, I think we we started off, you know, a couple of teams, so so four on each side of the of the pitch. You know, so you got you got half a five a side pitch essentially to work within, and then one defender, so four on one. And I think we were really struggling to keep possession at that ratio <laughs> in the in, in the first half, at least, of the training session. So it, it's just one of those where, again, I, I think we thought we were maybe a bit further ahead than we were. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it'll just require, so for the next few weeks, we'll focus more and more on just possession. <clears throat> 
and uh, you know we'll get better and better at it. So you know it's like anything, isn't it? You just have to understand where your baseline is. But actually, one of the things that um, I cast my mind back to, I, I think it was the chap on the course, or maybe I picked it up from somewhere else, that you know, learning isn't a linear thing. It's, it's quite messy. Yeah. So, you know, if you expect to draw a straight line, you know, if you're, if you're at this baseline and then you put X hours of practice in, then you draw a straight line and that's how good you are at the end of it. It's, it's not like that. It's, it's kind of messy and all over the place. And so, yeah, so yeah, this, this morning, a, a little bit messy, but we'll, we'll keep working on, uh, in possession drills for the next few weeks. And, uh, I'll expect to see, you know, that week on week improvement. Yeah. I got bit of a, a little bit after it, but I thought, you know, it's all learning. Not every, not every practice is going to work. Not everyone's going to be smooth. So yeah, we'll try again next week. And I said to them, you know, a lot of this stuff that you found a bit difficult. I mean, I said at the end of it, did you enjoy that, those routines? And I said, yeah. So that was positive. I think they, by the end of it, they had got the hang of it. So if I do them again, which I will, they should pick them up reasonably quickly and we won't waste as much time. Mm-hmm. That was the, it's thing, you only got the hour, you're kind of conscious of, I mean, I like, I like to do a sort of 20, 25 minute game at the end and we only do 15 minutes because we took so mm-hmm. long doing the, doing the routines. That it sort of, but I wanted them to kind of get them, which they did by the end of it. Um, but I thought if that eats into, obviously, and there was the messing around element, date into time a bit but generally it wasn't it on reflection it probably wasn't as bad as i initially thought it was but uh, yeah i guess the oh sorry you cut out there say that again um yeah i didn't really say anything else i was just saying that's just the right. sort of perfectionist in me wanting to have every session to be good and have the parents watching thinking oh he knows what he's doing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, up in the gallery. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they all sit in our stand, so I can see them all sat in the... St- we've got one stand, and they're all sat at the back there, sort of looking down and thinking, <laughs> oh, God. But yeah. you know, the feedback's always all right for them. So. I guess that's the that's the tricky thing, isn't it, with the more complex drills. The more complex you make a drill, yeah, it, it's going to take longer. It's going to eat into the rest of your time, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I think what was interesting as well, that just won't go into it too much but obviously Elijah's doing this Crystal Palace Academy training on a, fr- on mm-hmm. a Friday and I went down last night and all, all they did last night was play a match that was it but he had them in zones and the whole session was geared to zonal positioning so they, mm. so they only played a match for the whole hour and a bit but obviously that's quite a long long time for 10 year olds isn't it yeah but I mean he, he was obviously stopping the game quite a lot and he was pointing out where they should be positioned and so it wasn't like a mad frantic whole solid hour mm-hmm. he, he called yeah. them around every now and then and they'd have a chat and he'd point little things out but i i got quite a lot from that and i and i a part of me thought it's probably not a bad way of having a session you just do almost do one thing but you keep coaching them on that one thing which i found mm-hmm. quite interesting so I mean, there was, it was seven aside. I don't have that many players, so it might be easier when you've got more players. But yeah, it made me think well, I might do a session just around that. You know, you're positioning on the pitch, and even if you don't do anything else, you just keep working. You divide the pitch into zones, or it just gave me a few ideas. And you know, just watching the 
I said to you last night, um, touch and the awareness of those players, you can see, mm-hmm. well, it was, it was really impressive. And you can sort of see the, yeah. the gap to my team and where, you know, you'd like them to get to ultimately. But yeah, I was very impressed. So, um, so yeah, it was good. Mm. I suppose the, the other interesting thing with that is that they are essentially just playing a match. Yeah for the whole training session yeah. you know it's it's a coach controlled thing but it's it's striking that balance between the unopposed drills type practice exactly. and then the competitive match situation and and that's something i wrestle with as yeah. well and it i think when you're at that stage they it's almost like you they don't need to you don't need to do sessions on how to mm. pass the ball you know, yeah, because they yeah, can do yeah. it, and their touch is so good. It's more than about the fine-tuning, more tactical elements of, you know, when should you press? When should you not press? When should you hold your position? When should you go into the mm-hmm. attacking third? When should you should stay in midfield? It was it was brilliant to watch, and I took quite a lot from it. So it's that whole thing of watching other sessions, and you always pick stuff up. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good going yeah. there every week because you do get a lot from it. So, yeah, yeah, all good. Yeah, well, keep. Bringing back the notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're always nicking ideas, aren't you, from other people? Absolutely. Like, like yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so let's just talk about the, the iTunes plugs then. So if you like what you hear, please go ahead and click that subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And we really appreciate those five-star reviews or a go Lazo, which will help other people find the podcast in their searches. You can get in touch with us at grassrootscoachcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. And you can also get us on Twitter at grootscoachcast. So if you'd like to give us a follow and drop us any questions or comments, that'd be great. So, anything else? Any other news, Ben, that we want to talk about? We'll, we'll just skip over the rugby. Yeah, let's not mention the rugby. Um, <laughs> go again. No, okay. <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's move on to our next section, our main section, which is coaching your own. So Ben, I guess we we've got an interesting kind of vantage point with this subject, haven't we? Because we're both involved in coaching our own kids and we've also some of our other kids are in football teams that we don't coach yeah so it'll be interesting where this conversation goes so let's let's start off with you and what would you say some of the some of the challenging aspects of of uh, managing your own kids or coaching your own kids initially and we can talk about the the good stuff as well well i think firstly it's nice to have your child in your team for i think personally i kind of quite enjoy that um i would i would have elijah in my team if he wasn't my son anyway because i think he's he's good enough and he would add something to the team anyway but um before this season started we kind of wrestled with should he join my teams obviously we're a new team and i wanted him to to play for for me but we'd had kind of run-ins when we were doing the little league stuff over the last sort of year or two so, that, so those yeah. i want to know more about 
<laughs> yeah, so I mean, just the little league. It was very much, you know, he. It was difficult because he he played up quite a bit because obviously his dad's the coach and. I don't know. I'm sure every other coach who's been in this situation has probably been through the same thing, but just the lack of, bit of a lack of respect, you know, goofing around, going off, doing his own thing, booting footballs around when he should be listening. And of course, you, my, my approach to it was to sort of lose my temper with him and, you know, threaten this, threaten that. And it, and it doesn't work, but you kind of get a bit, I used to get embarrassed because there's obviously all the parents are hanging around and mm-hmm. the kids are there and you feel really self-conscious when it's going on. Um, and if Deb was there, I'd be going, Deb, Deb, you know, sort him out. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy situation. And so that used to happen a lot. So, and it was nothing more than that, really, just him messing around, going off thinking or complaining about, oh, I don't want to do this, do that. And at the same time, during the games, I would be, harder on him than everybody else and it's the same old thing everybody says it why are you harder on your own kids and it's the sort of it's a question that I don't know if anybody's got the answer to that I don't don't know um for me I think because particularly in little league because there was a frustration that we had kids who didn't really kids who probably didn't want to be there and kids who couldn't really play football Mm -hmm. well so you expect more of your own kids if they're sort of half decent, which is the, which was my case. So of course, if he did something in a game that I thought he could do better, I'd be, oh Elijah, what are you doing? Oh, which is a completely wrong thing to do. Um, and of course, he'd get upset on the pitch, or he'd throw his arms around, or you know, give me an aggressive gesture or whatever. Um, so that used to go on. And I, by my own admission, I've learned a lot from that, and I mm-hmm. didn't probably handle him the way I should handle him. Um, so we had a big sit down before this season and he actually had interest from another team that he plays for on a Saturday. They've got a Sunday team and we had to decide that Deb was leading towards him going to that team on mm-hmm. a Sunday. And it, in the end, it was kind of like, well, we can't do it because Evie plays for Wimbledon. I'll be coaching Carl Schultz and Elijah will be playing for Epsom. Mm-hmm. Three doesn't go into two. Yeah. So we had a big sit down and it was kind of like, right, we kind of made a deal that I would endeavour to treat him exactly the same as everybody else, not be hard on him and all that goes with that. And he would agree to treat me as he would the other coaches that he has because mm-hmm. he's as good as gold for them. He doesn't play up. He listens, <laughs> strangely enough. Um, so A teenager before his time. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, we literally had a, had a sit down. It was like, right, I've got to do my bit. You've got to do your bit. And do we agree? And it's kind of like, yeah, okay, we do. Um, and we've had... We've had a few instances this season. Generally, it's been a lot better. And I think I have made a real conscious decision to treat him the same as everybody else. And that's whether I give him praise or if I say to him, you could have done that better. And I, and I do that to all of the kids, not just him. Of course, he still takes it a bit personally. Mm-hmm. And occasionally I find myself being a little bit more, oh, come on, Elijah, you know, which I may not say to somebody else. And I'm still trying to learn from that and not do it as much because mm-hmm. he, he doesn't really react to it and it's the whole, the whole thing I could praise him 99 times out of 100 but he'll remember the one time that I've said you could have done that better Yeah, yeah. I always try and give him that extra praise and you know focus on the good stuff as well so I, I mean <laughs> that's my experience of it and you know going to it more but how 
I remember you telling me when Maddie stormed off once, <laughs> you know, lost yeah. the temper. So it's all the same. So what? How how's it been for you, especially as a as it's a girl? Because just very quick, because I used mm-hmm. to Eva used to play for me as well for two years, mm-hmm. and I never had any trouble with her coaching her, which is bizarre. But so yeah, I don't know. So I don't think. I don't think I've probably had as much trouble as if I was if I was coaching my lad. Yeah. Uh, then I think I would have more more trouble with it. <laughs> um, but it's it's not been too bad. I, I mean, one of the one of the very first sessions, um, I think again, you know, the I think at that age they're just looking to test the boundaries, aren't they? Because yep. dad's running the session, you know, you can probably get away with a little bit more. And so, you know, Maddie wasn't the only one kind of, it, this was early on in a session. She wasn't the only one kind of uh, messing about at all. But it's time to like, you know, clap your hands, speak with an authoritative voice, right, come on, get into a line. And then I, I think we were going to go off and do some dribbling or something. and. I think someone had someone had kicked a ball away or something like that, and then as I turned around, I just saw Maddie just boot the ball away, and so I just said, "Right, go on after that ball." And then she said, "No, someone else did something. You know, someone else kicked a ball away before I did." I said, "Don't care. That's your ball. Go and get it." And so I I didn't lose control at any point at all. I just had that kind of you're in a big field so I was projecting my voice but without shouting yeah and um she just absolutely burst into tears <laughs> 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 and real heartfelt sobbing and yeah. I've got all of the all of the parents on the outside looking on and I I'm thinking oh come on Maddie just pull it together <laughs> All I asked you to do was get the ball, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and because you know all the all the parents are further away, I guess they they don't know that, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what they're thinking, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and oh it still God. it still makes me makes me chuckle a bit now. But um, but yeah. So so she got over with that. Um. And and there's there's been a few uh little challenges of authority um but what i'm not trying to be smart or smug or anything but for a few years now i've been really interested in just cognitive bias so you know our brains are wired to 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 do certain things and you know that comes from you know millions of years of evolution and and you know, there's that primitive part of your brain that, you know, wants to eat when, when you're hungry and stuff like that, you know. So I, th- I think the way you handle your own uh, clan, if you like, is yeah. fundamentally different. So from day one, you know, I've, I've really tried to uh, acknowledge that and acknowledge that I am biased, you know, and anyone who says that they're not is is kidding themselves or trying to kid everyone else you you are fundamentally biased to your own yeah full stop so as long as you know that then you can tackle it you know so 
So I try really hard. I try, you know, to not uh, be hard. And I try, certainly don't, I try not to favor. And I just try and look across, you know, the, the different attributes of all the players and, and just focus on that. So I haven't nailed it. <laughs> but um, like I say, it's a constant each week. You know, each before training, before a match, there might be a little, again, just a little challenge to authority. And, um, you know, one one of the things that I haven't quite figured out yet is, you know, just being called dad, you know, in in that coaching environment. And I think, well, I'd sooner it wasn't, you know, especially when it's like, you know, dad... You know that that singy kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, way of phrasing it, but you know, I, I'm not going to call that out explicitly as something you know that she needs to stop doing. Yeah. But uh, it's just one of those things that jars a little bit, and you think, oh, I wonder if you know on the training pitch, you know, should I should I say you know call me coach or something like that, and and that, maybe that will just again simple little thing like that might switch that brain to just say right this is this is different you know while yeah. while we're on the on the coaching field or or the uh we're in a match it's it is a different relationship at yeah, this moment in time interesting i think yeah i've never thought about that well i have thought about it but i think because of the age and because everyone calls me ben or whatever i don't i don't expect him to call me ben Mm. Um, that would be a bit weird. So yeah. Yeah, I think I think maybe as as he gets older, if I do end up coaching him as we go older, it'll probably change. And yeah, maybe that coach name would put a little bit of a boundary there. But um, I think it's always going to be a difficult one, especially when they're young. Um, yeah. Maybe it'll change as they get older. But I, I, I don't know. It's I talked to Deb a lot about it because she she always says to me, um, which is which I hadn't thought about before. She said obviously with work commitments and everything else that goes on, you only get a limited amount of time with your kids anyway mm-hmm. and after school clubs and this, that and the others. And she said, what you've got to think about is that he doesn't get to see you as much as he probably would like because of all different things that go on in mm-hmm. your life, but you only spend a limited amount of time. So she says, and when he does see you on a Thursday, he has to share you with nine other kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she says, do you, do you, arrive at training and go straight into it or do you go and have a little word with him ask him how his day was blah 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 and I said of course I probably don't because I haven't got time um, so I do try and do that now just so how are you doing you know how was your day just to sort of just to remind him that I am his dad but we are going mm-hmm. into a coaching session just so he he doesn't see me turn up and just sort of blank him but then mm. also the contradiction is you kind of have to treat him the same as everybody else because you're there to coach them and yeah. it's a team thing and so I do have a little quick word with him now, and you know, then we go into right. Let's let's do, let's just get into the session. Um, and he has things have got a lot better. I mean, this week, this week it wasn't so much him challenging my authority as messing around with this other kid, mm-hmm. um, which was really the problem. And then that that escalated to him then losing his focus a bit. So I'll put it down. I'm not putting it down to him regressing back to how bad things used to be mm. they're worse it was more you know he got into this little thing with his kid and they're you know they're friends but they were just 
doing stuff that they shouldn't have been doing during a session. So, yeah, it's interesting to think about the sort of psychological, without going too deep into it, just the effect, trying to put myself in his shoes a mm. bit more, thinking, yeah, it must be difficult, you know, to if you're not seeing your dad and doing stuff with him that much, and then all of a sudden he comes along and he's got nine other kids that he's got to keep an eye on. Yeah. So it must be, it must be difficult. But we've had a few post-mortems this season in the early days when things weren't great. Um, and we've managed to kind of improve things. So, um, and I still need to improve things and not, not harsh, but just take that little extra tone out of my voice sometimes if he does something because I, because he's a good player and I know how good he can be and how good he is. It's just that whole thing, isn't it? Your, your expectations get higher yeah, yeah and you get yeah. a bit more disappointed when you see him do something that, you know he shouldn't be doing, and he's normally better than that. And it's that's when you just got to go. Well, he's a t- ten-year-old kid; he's going to do stuff in the heat of the moment on a pitch, which isn't the right decision because they all do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and again, just if if he was a good player on the team, you know, uh, not not your son, then you would probably be disappointed. You know, if he if he does something, you know, or he puts in a performance well below what you know he, he yeah. can he can achieve. But but with being your own, you know, as a parent, you fundamentally want your kids to be the absolute best that they can be. So Absolutely. it's Absolutely. it's taking that that um, that normal coach reaction, and then it just magnifies it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um... And I said to him, we were driving home last night from from his Palace training, and because he's because he's new, he's finding it not difficult, but he's he's not his normal, you know, hundred mile an hour self, mm-hmm. not as cocky, because because he's getting to know them. He's only been a few times, and you can there's there's that whole thing where people pass to their mates, yeah, yeah, more than other players, and there was a little bit of that last night, but he's really determined to stick at it. And I said, look, I'm really proud of you. I said, you're there because you've been asked to be there. Don't ever think you're not good enough to be there. Cause what I saw you, you're in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, take confidence from that and don't worry about it. And I said, if, if you are going to progress anywhere in football, if you ever join any new team, it's going to be like this because yeah. you're the new kid. But I said, you know, you, and I really sort of hit, and I thought it was important that I emphasized all the positive aspects to him. Yeah, I, mean, I, I couldn't resist saying there was a couple of times you didn't pass it quickly enough. But, <laughs> so you know, that, again, that's just that, that's just a little. But then I, but then I said, but generally, I was really impressed. I said you played really well, and you know, you look like you deserve to be there, which yeah. is what I've got to think about. So, um, so yeah, it's always I do try, and I probably didn't do it enough in the past to emphasise those positive aspects and say, look, you've done really well, hey, Elijah, well done, brilliant, you know, really mm-hmm. pleased that sort of thing. And I think it does subconsciously get in there. Um, so hopefully, yeah, he's. I, I saw a, an American um, a keynote speaker. Yep. Uh, he was talking about, uh, it, it was some kind of management or leadership type thing. And, uh, he he referred to something called a butt sandwich, and so, right. so you know that that kind of catches your ear, doesn't it? It's like, what the hell? Where's he going with this? <laughs> and so, um, 
so he said the problem is you know you're trying to you're trying to deliver praise and then you insert a but in there yeah and then you give them something negative to think about and what he was saying was everything you said up until that but just washes away so forget yeah. you've even said it so all the praise you might as well not have bothered because everyone only remembers the but and then yep. the negative stuff. So I think that is, I constantly remind myself about that because it's a lot easier for me, you know, to just talk that through with you now than to yep. really put it into practice. <laughs> yep. um, and that is, that is one of the things I think uh, uh, my daughter doesn't totally appreciate uh, is that she gets to drive home with the coach yep. who'll talk her through all the areas where uh, which could be improved. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, I, I do try and emphasize the positive. Oh, I really liked it when you did such and such a thing. Um, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm constantly striving for that right balance between constructive criticism of, of where the improvements could be and praise for things that, that did go well as well. And that's, that's what I said to you before about the 99 positive comments yeah, and the one yeah. bad one uh, and, and i suppose everybody's like that in, in any walk of life you you always think about the negative press review or the one thing at work you got told you could do better despite getting a great review or you always most people always focus on that one thing and it eats yeah. away at you and like that that but sandwich is a really interesting analogy and that's why i try and flip it so i'll do the negative if well constructive criticism first then but this was great and hopefully they'll think about the thing you said last yeah which yeah. is a positive comment so i always it's the same in a game no matter how frustrated i get during a game not just with him but with any of the kids i always then try and do a hey you're doing really well it's great keep it going mm -hmm. yeah. after say look you could have done that better and that's really important i think and i was because you see some coaches just you know calling the kids out and you're like well where's the positive yeah yeah that's pride, you know. Um, I think the flip side is also true, though, isn't it? I think um, constant praise when it's not truly earned, kids kids can see yeah. through that. Yeah, of course they can. Of course they can. You know, it's yeah, like you said, it's getting the balance right, and it's something that you that you learn as you go on. You know, it's. Um, I don't think I don't think you're ever going to have it cracked managing your own kids, especially when they are kids. You know, as they get older, maybe it may get easier. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, one of the things you were talking about there was was interesting, and uh, and we've talked about some of the challenges there. But but what Deb was saying about, you know, from Elijah's perspective, he doesn't get to see you that much. One of the things I constantly <clears throat> tell myself is, you know, actually this this is a real privilege. You know, at this age that you get to spend so much time, you know, in, in a, in a leisure type capacity, you know, which, you know, if you, if you weren't, uh, if you weren't doing that, if you weren't coaching your own kids, you know, they might be, uh, out, out playing with their friends on or playing on yeah. their tablet or whatever. So, so it is good quality time that you're getting, 
uh, spend with your kids as well. So I thought I'd throw that in there as a positive because <laughs> yeah. there are positives. Well, there uh, are, obviously, we're talking about the challenges, but but that for me is a is a great thing. Absolutely, and that's what I said at the start, at the top of the top of the recording. You know, it's it is nice having your own child in your team, mm-hmm. and I, w- mm-hmm. I would always want to have that. Yeah, um, and who knows if if he wasn't. Maybe I wouldn't have got into it this season. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I always wanted to do it, but it is a bonus having him involved. Um, and yeah, it, you're right. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. I, obviously, the responsibility of coaching and the stress and on a match day, you kind of you probably don't appreciate that. that you're sharing that, especially if you won a game or you've had a good session. You're mm-hmm. sharing it with one of your own kids. I suppose you don't. That often washes over me a little bit, and I don't think of that, but. But then I enjoy that, you know, right driving home with him and having a chat about the game. Mm-hmm. And, um, we do have that bond over football, which is, which is brilliant. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting the way you put that. Actually, I hadn't, hadn't really thought of that. And it's a, it sounds like you're doing the the old plan do review, you know, not not just on the on the coaching drills and whatever, but just on that relationship as well, and just keeping it keeping it in check and identifying things yeah. that aren't going well and let's let's stop yeah. doing those and uh, you do, I'm sure you do it I think I think you subconsciously do it of course and when we've had those difficult weeks we have literally we've, we've all sat down at home around the table and discussed well do you think you behaved at your maximum today no okay what about what about your dad did he do everything he could have done and on most of the occasions, he ha- he has actually turned around and said, "Yeah, he hasn't. He has treated me fairly, and I have played up." And occasionally, I said, "Yeah, I probably should have should have been a bit easier and not said that." So, it's, it's yeah, you're always reviewing that relationship and trying to iron out the little things that make it difficult. But ultimately, like you said, it is massively rewarding. It really is, and I think other people and they love having their own kids in the team. You know, it's it's a mm-hmm. nice, great thing to be to have. Yeah, um, as difficult as it can be, of course, you have all those positive moments. And there's nothing better than you seeing him do well on a football pitch, and you get a massive, warm glow from watching that, and it, it's it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I would say to anybody thinking about it, go. It's it's an it's an amazing experience, and you'll learn as you go on. You'll never have all the answers. Um, but you know you've just got to keep working at that relationship and um yeah i think it's interesting that the girls seem to be a bit more placid in that what what about if if ruth was coaching do you think that would be would that be fraught with danger in terms of that relationship if it was flipped if it wasn't you well i, I don't know uh good question about it no no i hadn't to be honest i mean I think it's fundamentally different. Uh, fundamentally different. The opposites are different. Yeah. Fundamentally the same. You know, you've got you've got parents and you've got parental expectations, um, yeah. and you've got kids who want to be kids. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, and so, you know, just part of it. You, you're going to hit wrinkles. You're going to hit conflict uh, yeah. as as you're going through it. So. I think it's just, uh, it, 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 I think it is for me, 
about embracing the fact that that you do have these inbuilt biases um do what do what you're doing and and what i've tried to do as well which is to just constantly assess yourself you know and include your uh your own child in that yeah and just try and try and get better um you know when when things haven't gone well we'll talk about them okay well how do we do that better yeah it's interesting also uh, uh, at christmas our christmas party i was speaking to some of the parents and um one of the mums was saying after every game one of the lads in my team he he gets a massive debrief from his dad in the car on the way home and it's and it's and it's all the stuff that he he hasn't done well enough and I, and I sort of chuckled to myself and I thought, it doesn't matter if you're a coach, a parent. Everyone's a coach. Yeah. But, and it was all, but she said, as soon as he gets in the car, it's, he's kind of on his case about, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. Why don't you do this? Why don't you tell Ben this? Why don't you get, why don't you take the free kicks? Why aren't you taking the corners? You know, oh, and dear. I just, I, I, I kind of had a, yeah, it did make me chuckle because um, I just thought, that's probably, that's probably me in the past. And, I'm going, <laughs> and I think it's just that whole parent thing, isn't it? They just, parents just kind of have such high expectations for their kids. Yeah. Um, and I've seen, you know, in, in the last few years, in, when I've been coaching, I've seen um, a parent in particular is quite, quite aggressive with how he speaks to his child when he's playing. Right. Uh, and I've seen that, child just pretty much shut down on the pitch mm-hmm. uh, and i actually saw him walk off giving his dad the finger once and he walked oh, off crying. I, I couldn't believe it and it was a real it's a real shock to me that and i mm-hmm. thought it made me look at and think about that that one incident made me think a lot about how i speak to elijah or evie or whoever yeah on the pitch and i i would never sort of cross that line um and it was, yeah, it wasn't great to see. And I think that's when it becomes completely counterproductive. Yeah, yeah. No, it's but, not It's not good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. But, yeah, it just goes to show, doesn't it, every every parent's the same, I think. There's always, it's always that butt sandwich that you keep coming back to. Yeah. And admit, you haven't done that. Like I say, that, that cognitive bias. And, and the trouble is when, you, when you're not aware of it and you – your emotions just rule you. Yes, um, that's great point. Great point. And I think in this instance, you could see that there was no thought process behind the comments. It mm-hmm. was just naturally aggressive, probably probably over expectation in terms of how good he thinks his child is mm-hmm. and possibly isn't. And he and he gets that frustration when he's not doing what he expects him to do mm-hmm. because he maybe hasn't got the skill level yet. Um, but yeah, it's um, that's the kind of flip side and the the sort of darker side of it. I think if if you're not aware you're doing it, and it's just a natural way of speaking that you've got during a game because yeah, you get so yeah. caught up in it, um, it could becomes just counterproductive. Absolutely. So as a as a coincidence, and, and it's just popped into my mind uh, just now. So. So this morning I was I was showing my my lad and and uh, my daughter competitive dad from uh, the fast show. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do, I do. 
I mean, we didn't go through all of them, obviously, there's loads, but uh, I found one which was my favourite one, which I remembered from the time, where he takes his two little lads out. It must be on the order of 10, 11 or something like that. And he gets a, uh, like a five-yard a uh, couple of stumps, you know, so he's got the cricket bat and everything and little tennis ball to play with. And the the kid goes to bowl over arm. He says, no, 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 underarm. It, it'll be it'll be easier for your underarm. <laughs> and so he absolutely slogs it. <laughs> and, of course, he can almost reach both ends of the wickets. So he's just yeah. like, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I, I the thing is with the fast show, a lot of the things were a slow burn, weren't they? You know, so you had yeah, to watch yeah. it week after week. But uh, for that one, I, I mean, <laughs> my lad thought it was the funniest thing he'd seen on TV. Brilliant, <laughs> and and it just popped into my mind then when you were talking about uh, just you know communicating without without thinking. Yeah, yeah. But well, Elijah and I played Sabuto this afternoon. All right. <laughs> Uh, Who won? Uh, me three 0 and every, every time I scored a goal, he threw he threw all his figures across the room at me. <laughs> so there you go. It's the same everywhere. <laughs> Competitive duds. You just can't help it. Well, that's the thing with these. Uh, certainly, the fast shows. So yeah. you know, it just takes a normal part of life and just exaggerates it a tiny bit. You know, yep. but not Absolutely. really that much. <laughs> I said to him before we played, I said, if, if I start beating you, no tantrums and no throwing stuff. And I, yeah, no, I won't do that. Of course, as soon as the first goal went in, he threw the ball around. All the players are launched through the air. I just laugh again. And of course, away. you couldn't let him score a goal. So, it's, you know, it would no, be unearned then. I was determined to keep the clean sheet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We'll have to do one of uh, one of your Sabutio matches with Elijah, stick it up on YouTube just so I yeah, can I'll uh, have a good laugh at that. Video it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so one of the other sort of pitfalls I've heard people sort of fall into is, is, having, a, is having a bias towards their own child or their own kid. So yeah. have you ever felt that? Because, again, it's one of those things of going into it. I was very, very conscious about it. And if anything, I, I was wondering, you know, it's almost like a pendulum. You wonder, do you swing the other way where, you know, you may be not putting them in the team when, when they should be. Yeah. Um, have you ever sort of had those those thoughts when you, or done something and then you look back at it and you think, oh, actually, I, I did favour them? It's weird, you know, with the whole being hard on them. Mm-hmm. I I think I used to do that to to compensate. Because, yeah, and I, it's almost like I had to show the other parents that I'm not going to treat him fa- favorably because he's my child. Yeah. So I'm going to be a bit harder on him to prove that, which is a completely warped way of viewing it. I think it's not the right way of, at all to go about it. But that in my subconscious, I think I was a bit harder on him because I thought I'm going to clamp down on him so hardly, so harshly because. Just to show he's, he may be my child, but he's going to get no preferential treatment. Mm. And instead of just treating him the same as everybody else, I was probably a bit harder on him to sort of, is this I was proving a point to myself that mm-hmm. the parents were seeing that I was treating him, well, it was differently. It wasn't the same as everybody else because I was being harder on him, which is wrong. But it was my way of thinking, well, 
I don't. I'm so conscious that they they're going to think I'm being biased to him, you know. So, so I'll go the other way and be yeah. Um, it's to tackle that possible yeah. perception that that you yeah. do have a bias towards your own. Your Absolutely, own son. especially yeah, especially as we, this season because we're a new team and I didn't know the parents. I, I knew a few mm-hmm. of them already, but some of them I didn't know at all. So it was kind of that whole worrying about what people think of you and how they perceive you and just thinking, well, I've got to show them that although he's my son, you know, I mean, I mean business. So this is how you're going to see me treat him. So you don't think, oh, he's favoring his son, whatever, which is, it's crazy looking back on it. But, um, I think a lot of people would probably have those same. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's interesting. I was going to, when I was at the course on, so I didn't get a chance to ask any of the parents. Cause a lot of the parents on my, on my level one course coach their kids and I probably should have asked. I didn't really know them well enough, or we were too busy to, for me to ask them. But I did mm-hmm. think about. I want to, as we go on through the weeks, I'll probably ask. You know, how do you find it coaching your son or daughter? But um, yeah, during a do I show bias? I sometimes think I am because I may leave, in a game. I may leave him on longer than some other kids possibly because because he's quite because he adds so much to the team. And, I, and in certain, if it's a close game, I think I don't really want to take him off. But I also do that with other players in the team. So from that perspective, I don't think I do show bias because he's my son. I probably show, I probably leave the better players on maybe a bit more than some other players. Mm-hmm. Although I do try and rotate it and keep it. I always do a plan before a game of who's coming on and off. So they all get equal, or as, for the most part, they get equal game time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. I think that's the only thing I always do. But obviously, if there's a close game towards the end, I may leave him on longer. But that's not because he's my son. It's because he's one of the better players. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's two or three others that I will leave on more than others. And I don't take off as much, possibly, um, if the game's tight. I may, there's a few players that I will try not to take off. Yeah. But generally speaking, I rotate them. But yeah, I don't think I do show him bias in that respect. Um, I, it's, it's just more that he's a good player and I'll, I would rather have him on the pitch than not on the pitch. But it's the same for the other players that are key in that position. Yeah. Still, I'd rather have them on the pitch. So, yeah, I, I think I can probably hold my hands up and say that I'm not biased towards him as a player. And, I, and if I'd like to think if he wasn't good enough, I wouldn't push the issue and get him to play. Mm-hmm. I would, because you do see, you do see other teams with their, son playing or daughter and you can kind of think well maybe they're only in the team because it's his son or his daughter yeah so that's why i was asking really because it's it's one of those that you know for for me being a kid you know and uh, you know throughout being exposed to the various teams it's a really easy thing for anyone to throw out there isn't it you know especially if you know you, you mentioned the the dad and lad who you know, didn't see eye to eye, uh, resulting yeah. in the bird. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I guess at, at that time, the, their frustration is is aimed at each other. But yeah. then that, that could quite easily be directed at the coach, you know, and, well, well, you know, my lad's not getting enough game time because, you know, you're just picking your son or something like that. Yeah. So, so it is. So, so in that, you know, being a little bit hard on on Elijah, you're doing that to tackle that 
potential threat of, of perception from the parents, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's always been behind my thinking of it. Yeah. Um, I don't do that now, but yeah. And it was to prove, to prove myself at the start, I was probably a bit like that, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't definitely don't show him any bias in terms. I do treat him the same as every other player. And if he's not, if he's not playing well or whatever, he's having a stinker, he'll, he'll come off. Same as same as any of the others, but um, what about how if, if he if he comes off, does he throw Sabutio stuff at you? He does. <laughs> do you know what? That's, that, that, that's, you, you you joke, but he he does do that. He right. um, that's another thing we've had issues with that when he when he does come off, I get a lot of arm waving and stomping off and a bit of dissent, and it I really don't like it at all. Um, and I don't does, I don't tend watch? to say anything when he comes off, but. Yeah, he gets he does get properly spoken to on the way home or when we get home about doing that. Right. And and does he watch does he watch much football on TV? Yeah, loads, yeah, he's always watching football. Always. Yeah. Um That's interesting. Yeah. I don't think he's I think he just does that because I'm his dad and he feel and because right, he just right, wants right. to play all the time. He's yeah. just probably like any Premier League footballer when you bring him off and they show they throw a bit of a wobbler. Mm-hmm. Um he he's the only one who does it. He's the only one who who does do that, and of course, when his his Saturday coach brings him off, good as gold, no problem. Um, he did it a couple of weeks ago. I took him off. We were four 0 up, and there's like five minutes left, and I took him off, and he started doing all the histrionics and <laughs> stormed off. Um, and I wasn't very happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one thing that I really, because it's a team game. I think it looks really bad for the rest to the rest of the team when somebody's doing that. Yeah, yeah pretty disrespectful but um i was going to say what in terms of it's not necessarily about ability but what what's maddie like in terms of how she fits in with the rest of the team and same question back to you i guess with the bias but i guess you pick her because she's good enough and she wants to play and that kind of thing yeah um like i say i mean i i'm constantly challenging whether uh i am being biased one way or the other, like positively yeah. or negatively. Um, and I think I, I'm a slightly more advantageous position than yourself because uh, although yeah, you've got you've got your assistant, haven't you? So yeah. all things like team selections and what have you, um, substitutions, you know, I, I'm talking constantly with the, with the coach about what we should do. Now, if anything, I think my tendency is to um, possibly be negatively biased. And by that, I mean, you know, if, if, uh, if Maddie's been rotated off and, you know, like say it's a tight game and you need something to happen, you know, I'll discuss with the coach and probably my default would be to suggest a player to come on who isn't Maddie. Yep. Um, and that's again I don't think I'll ever get to a point where I think I've nailed it you know but I just have that internal monologue first and try and just separate everything focus on the game focus on what it is we need um, as you said rotating people on and off so how much time have people had on the pitch you're never going to get it perfect um, but make sure everyone's getting a fair crack of the whip. So, yeah, I, th- I think possibly I'm, I'm 
occasionally negatively bias um and I, but I, i'm trying to <laughs> trying to constantly assess that and try and tackle that and not be negatively biased and trying to hit that middle sweet spot where i can just look at things like mr spock you know yeah. or is it mr spock or dr spock i, I don't know spock <laughs> and just analyze it on logic and just separate all the, all the other uh, emotions out of it. Yeah, no, that's probably the best way, I think. So I think, shall we wrap it there on our main section and we'll run into our retro review? Underground, overground, wumbling free. The wumbles of Right, so Ben, we're going to be talking about the crazy gang days of Wimbledon, and I've got a feeling this will be a a, a little bit of a, us walking up that line and trying to detach emotionally uh, from a, a few things there, being being Liverpool fans, obviously. But I'll hand it over to you. So, what what's uh, what's your, what your first experience of Wimbledon and that crazy gang time? Probably. Well, they're the only team ever in the history of my football experience that have made me cry. <laughs> and you could probably guess which game that was. They're not not um, even 1990. That you know, made what, me cry. I, yeah. I, I, think I, I was so dumbstruck by that 1991. I don't think I, I didn't know what happened. But <laughs> the only time I've ever cried after a football match was that Wimbledon game. And I've never cried at a football match since. It's really bizarre. But um, <laughs> I was so distraught by it. Um, and for the uninitiated, this is uh, when Liverpool played Wimbledon in the 88 Cup final. And to put it in some sort of context, I would say, you could probably disagree with me here, or you might have your own comparison, mm-hmm. but it it was probably the equivalent of, say, Man City now playing... Oh, I don't know. I'd probably say somebody near the top end of the championship. Maybe I'm doing a disservice, but we they were such overwhelming underdogs that day that it's, you almost can't put it into words. I remember the whole build-up to that game and almost thinking, oh, it's, it's in the bag, which yeah. you, know, you know me now, I'm not like that at all. But um well, was, it's because of experiences like that day. You're not like that at yeah, all. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that, and, yeah, you say that, and that's probably my first ever experience of the underdog mm-hmm. and the harsh reality of being on the wrong end of that result because they were obviously in the same division, but they were massive underdogs on that day because Liverpool at that time were all conquering. Uh, had won the league title already and had just a wonderful, superb, exciting team to watch. And this is a bunch of guys who fought their way up from non-league football and come through the league yeah. pyramid bit by bit. Yeah, I, I don't know if there is a good example today because even in the championship, I mean, look look at Wolves now. 
how much money well, they've got is, and spent. This it. is why I said, yeah, exactly. This is why I said the upper echelons because I was yeah. thinking of Wolves and I thought, well, Wolves have probably got a slightly disad- unfair disadvantage so because they've obviously got a lot of money. But it's hard. Yeah, you probably can't compare it now because I don't think, and I'll come, we'll come into it in a bit, what they did back then coming from non-league football to well, what was now the, what is now the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I, don't think it, I don't think it'll ever be repeated in that way. Unless yeah. you've got a big benefactor who throws all his money into a non-league team, doesn't look like because Wimbledon didn't do it that way. They just did it through sheer hard work and sheer bloody-mindedness. Yeah. I think that's what stood out about them. That that mentality of not not everyone hates us, but we don't care. But it was similar to that. They just had this such strong, almost working-class grafting way about them that it just sort of carried them up and up and up to the pinnacle for them was obviously that cup final mm-hmm. and it was just a it was a huge shock that they won that game but um, even then I remember watching the game and I was probably I was like 12 or something 11 12 mm-hmm. I remember thinking during the game we're not going to score here we're just not going to score a goal and when we got the penalty we got a penalty and I remember John Aldridge stepping up to take it. And I remember thinking, I can vividly remember it, thinking this is the only way we're going to score in this game because <laughs> we just couldn't create a chance for loving the money because they were so combative in midfield and they were... Steve McMahon used to boss games in those days and he didn't get a sniff. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when I remember I remember when he missed that penalty, John Aldridge, I thought they're going to win. And I can't even remember if they'd scored by that point or if it was nil-nil. I can't remember. <laughs> But when we I think penalty, it might have been one nil at, at that point. I think it would have equalised. Yeah, because I think it was first half they scored, didn't they? Laurie Sanchez's yeah, header. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, when he missed that, I thought well, that's the game done, and there was probably still twenty-five minutes left, possibly. But yeah, it was a real, it was a real triumph of just sheer hard work over probably one of the most talented teams at that point that I'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, your memories are probably exactly the same as mine. Yes. I think it was a, it was a foregone conclusion, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it was exactly. just so. Um, I mean, it was a good footballing lesson to be taught um, because I, I remember talking to my dad and saying, "No, it's, I can't believe no one's won the double." Like loads of times, it, it seems to be easy. This, you know, yeah, <laughs> after doing exactly. it in '86, and then. You well, know, then nobody's really done it, had they? There's only a couple of teams that ever. That's really right, done it. And, and it was quite a rare thing. You know, no one gave Wimbledon any chance whatsoever. I guess, like I say, maybe a Millwall now, where where say Millwall are, yeah, or a Leighton Orient or someone like that. You could say it's it's a bit like that, but but coming from where they came from, and so like I say, we're, I mean, we're doing this because. You know, not to just drown our sorrows and feel sorry for ourselves about a cup final that's uh, so long ago. But, you know, at the time, as as a Liverpool fan, it was it, I was absolutely distraught. But it's yeah. only after, you, you you know, and you get a bit older, but and then you learn a bit more about where they came from. And it, it is just an amazing story where, you know, coming up from non-league, you know, in a few years... Uh, they'd gone from Division 4 right up to Division 1, you know, which was the top division at the time. And like you say, for them, the the 
I mean, they did pretty well in the league, didn't they? Especially nowadays, yeah. they you know they finished top ten consistently. Yeah, they never seem to be in a relegation fight. Never, they were always a bit too good for that. They always kind of they could always grind grind out a result or put a few wins together. Yeah, and they never ever seem to get dragged into that sort of relegation scrap. Yeah, again, it's testament to the the kind of hard work and the team spirit that they had. But I think the 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 moment that I remember, and actually I've I've not gone back uh, for obvious reasons. I don't want to. Why you would know, you stick? Yeah, <laughs> stick a fork in my eye either. Um, but what I kind of remember, and and I am intrigued actually to to see how well I do remember it. The penalty miss wasn't the moment where I thought we're just we're just never going to score and we're going to lose here. There was a moment where. I think it was John, there was a bit of a gold mouth scramble and John Barnes jumped up and it looked like he was just going to tap it in to an empty net because Besson was on the floor. You know, he'd made a save, Besson was on the floor, Barnes was just reaching up to just tap it in with his left foot and this hand comes up from the floor from nowhere and just flicks it away from Barnes. And I was like, how did he do that? And, uh, you know, again, I, I, going into it, I had no idea who Dave Besant was. But, you know, I had a, after that day, I had a huge amount of respect for him, not not just from the penalty save, but he was a really big commanding goalkeeper. And uh, that that go-go gadget arm sort of manoeuvre was the, <laughs> was the moment when I... I thought, oh crikey, we're, we're done for. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, probably the same, really. I didn't, I wasn't aware of any of their players. I don't think. I, I honestly can't think of any of them ever came on my radar. But then, a lot of, back then, probably a lot of players of the teams never would. But yeah, after that, you could never really get away from them. They were kind of always in your face, which kind of is appropriate to how they were as a team, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, 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 there's a few things at play here, aren't there? Because they, they were almost military in the way they had that team spirit. You know, they, yep. they'd come up through the leagues. No, no one was out. It's not like uh, we were talking about Mares the other week. You know, there were no Mareses in the side. You know, it was a... Um, real brutal sort of environment and and you know yeah. new players coming in were quickly initiated and you know this is what it's like and it, it just reminded me a little bit of the military you know where you first join up and they they try and break you down and build you up how they want to build yeah. you up now i don't think they intended to you know they've sat around the table and said right let's do oh, this yeah. like the british army or whatever but you know it, looking back it did seem to be that real pack mentality and if you were on the inside in the clique you you were all right and you know you'd go over the trenches for anyone but if you were outside it i think it could be a little bit brutal yeah absolutely and i think that also comes from the characters that you had in that team yeah and there were characters, you know, Vinnie Jones, John Fashionu, Dennis Wise. They, they were, they kind of embodied that, not military, but they was, you know, you can imagine them doing the initiation, 
all of them because we all know since now what kind of people they they are both mm-hmm. on the pitch and off the pitch. Yeah, you can just imagine it. You know, and even Bobby Gould, Bobby Gould, kind of the manager when he was the manager at the time, he kind of epitomised that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and he kind of helped foster that whole team spirit. But yeah, there was a lot of probably a lot of people in that team who not disappear but didn't ever really have a career in football after that but it was all the team was always greater than the sum of its parts mm. uh, and that was part of their success and like I said it I don't think that will ever be repeated you'll never get a team now who could do that because of the money involved in football the, the chasm's too wide and you will never I don't you will never see that repeated Cambridge came close a few years later United almost got into the Premier League that was a similar thing they sort of worked their way up but again there wasn't a huge spots of money around like there are now it was a real one-off unique thing that I don't think will ever be repeated personally that's just my view so I yeah I I I don't know because I I look at Leicester winning the Premier League and that was that seemed to be a a one-off you know that wouldn't happen in a hundred more years but yeah, you know, so so you never know, and I've I've seen interviews with with you know ex Wimbledon players saying the same. You know, it, it'll never be repeated, and I don't think they'd get away with a lot of the things they did um, internally. But the interesting thing for me, so so after that that FA Cup final, and like I say, they they didn't really struggle in the league at all. They they got results, and so. They had the they had Plough Lane, didn't they? As, which was basically, you know, as they went up the league, they they didn't reinvest any of that into the ground at all. So it was still very uh-huh. much a non-league uh, stadium. But they used that to their advantage, didn't they? They you know they yeah, knew. Not, not, I used to dread Liverpool going there. And yeah. <laughs> not often we'd get a win there. It was a, it was a nightmare. Yeah. And you know they they asked him an interview since you know they used to turn the heating off <laughs> so yeah just make sure things. it was really cold you know and they, yep. they just knew that no one liked going there yeah and uh I, th- I think yeah i think the style of football that they had was so direct unashamedly direct yep and they just they just didn't care what anyone else thought about them in fact i think they uh, probably reveled in the infamy of it all, but yep. you know, I I think their particular style had a had quite a lot of impact on on other teams around them. So you mentioned about Cambridge. So what was the chap's name? John Beck. Beck, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Dave Bassett, who's obviously you know he'd helped get Wimbledon up the leagues before Gold took over. So he took over. Is uh, it Sheffield United? Yep. And so that was that was a very similar direct style. Yep. And uh, you know we've mentioned about Jack Charlton. That was that was very direct as well. It almost made it not kind of more acceptable to play that way. Yeah. Because you probably didn't in the probably the old first division whatever. Now you probably never had a team like that. Everyone used to play a bit of football and. There was there was never a team who just came in and you know scrapped, fought, played directly, unsettled mm-hmm. opponents, used every means of their disposal. 
throwing sand on the pitch, you know, <laughs> make, you know making the ball greasy so people couldn't throw it, probably whatever it was. Yeah. You know, they, they like you said, they used all those things to their advantage, and why not? But let's also not forget as well, they had some good players. You know, Dennis Wise, whatever you think of Dennis Wise, he, he had a great career. Yeah. Played for England, yeah. you know, went on to manage, played for Chelsea for years. Benny Jones had a decent career. John Scales, I remember John Scales at Liverpool, loved him. I thought he was so cultured as a defender. I thought he was a brilliant defender and I yeah. wish we'd signed yeah. him earlier. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I think he probably does as well. <laughs> yeah, they had some good players. It wasn't just, you know, you, you couldn't, you can only get so far with that brawn and bright, brawn and you know muscling teams out and being aggressive. You've got to have a bit of talent, and they definitely had that. And when you've got John Fashion up front, you know he was probably a bit like an Andy Carroll type, wasn't he? Nightmare to mark, all our all elbows and arms, and yeah, yeah, a bit of a nightmare for a defender to come up against. And why not use that if you've got that in your armory? You're going to use it, and they did. Absolutely. But I, th- I think for me, what's, you know, you'll never know. But it seemed to me that, you know, they, they weren't picking up players. That all those names you've just mentioned who went on to have great careers, you know, Dennis Wise went off to, to Chelsea. Um, uh, Vinnie Jones went at Chelsea, didn't they? Via Leeds, I think. Yep. Um, Besson ended up at, ended up at Chelsea. Uh, Terry Feeling went to went to Manchester City. Um, you know, the no one was clambering after these players before Wimbledon, Aye. and then after I think Scales, Scales, some something like Bristol, Bristol City. So, you know, you'd have to wonder if they went to another club that didn't have that kind of camaraderie and, you yeah. know. Um, that real kind of brutal environment where it's fight or flight, yeah. you know, would they have, would they have had the same careers and, and, you know, you'll never know, but my, my gut tells me they probably wouldn't. Yeah. Possibly. Probably right. It's all about right place, right time to a point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They all, that group of players were just the right group of players for that particular moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it's, tragic kind of what's happened since really with the way that all ended well just before we uh, let's talk about the uh sort of messy divorce i guess um in a bit but what i just wanted to touch on as well because i i I, another side crystal palace yep had that real direct style and and i think there were a few players um Eric Young or someone like that. I'm, I'm yeah. sure there were, there were some players that went from Wimbledon to Palace, and of yeah. course they shared, shared the ground for a, a while. Well, Wimbledon rented. Um, yeah. But I remember watching some some uh, sort of tactical coaching videos back in the it must have been the early '90s time, and this was I, I reckon. Sam Allardyce and people like that probably dined on this sort of idea, but it was basically preaching that football, you know, can be played in a lovely way. But actually, when you look at the goals, they're usually scored from three passes or less. Yeah. And, you know, it sticks out in my mind, and this is a long time ago now, you know, it's nearly 30 years ago, but I still remember that. And, 
I think it's through the success of teams like Wimbledon, like Palace, because they obviously went to the FA Cup final as well, didn't they? You know, people were looking at those and saying, oh, well, football's evolving for this uh, really direct style. And, and you know, there's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any room for this fancy uh, football sort of stuff. You know, so yeah. for me, English football, and as well, English teams weren't playing in Europe at that time, were they? So, you know, it was, yeah. it was usually English teams against English teams. And, and I felt at the time, you know, through those early 90s, that, that the longer ball, the more direct sides were getting a lot of success. And yeah. the, the traditionally passing teams, you know, were, were found wanting at times. Yeah. Fortunately, you know, Barcelona came along. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I think there is a little bit of, I, I don't want to say of Wimbledon, but Wimbledon's influence in the English teams, like all through the divisions. Because I, I look at the game now and I do think it is more direct than when I first started watching football. Um, you know, there's an appreciation that, you know, the long pass, the direct pass is absolutely a part of the game. Whereas I think when when I started getting into it and that, that 88 side of, of Liverpool is, is probably one of the most exciting I've seen but there is this idea I think or, or a perception more than an idea that that short passing was the was the only thing they did yeah and and they didn't but you know again it's it's just that perception well yeah especially playing on the counter attack now is kind of in vogue isn't it mm-hmm. and the, long, the long pass is a key part of that it's a key weapon you know, you yeah. break up from the edge of your own box, bang, wrong ball, you're away. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a skilled pass. It's not just a lump to a six foot five inch striker hoping he'll knock something down with somebody else. It's a accurate breakout pass. It's going to lead to a chance, breakaway chance on goal. Yeah. So, yeah and it's... I don't know if, uh, I don't know how many long passes they played when, uh, People are shouting, get it in the mixer. was <laughs> 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 the old shout, wasn't it? You know, just get it in there, make them sweat, get them facing their own goal, challenge yeah. the goalkeeper. You know, it's brilliantly simple stuff. And, and yeah. like I say, unashamed about it. So I think, unfortunately, though, we've talked about some really good players there. And, and I, I agree on scales. Um, I, I thought he was really good, solid uh, centre-back there. But unfortunately, to balance the books, they've sold off, or they had sold off, a lot of these very good players who went on to have uh, great careers. Vinnie Jones, of course, yep. uh, future captain of Wales there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was a, yeah, kind of random. but um... Very random. But I guess yeah. being a Jones, you know, it probably shouldn't have well, been that unexpected. But Yeah, so there's some link there somewhere along the way. <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone actually tracked down. Uh, I think he was saying it was a grandparent, wasn't he? But... I, think, I believe so. <laughs> but, yeah, so they sold off these these good players. And I guess it's not just, like I say, it's not just about the replacement players not maybe quite being up to the standard. But that that camaraderie that togetherness 
probably yeah. dissolved a bit, didn't it? Which which didn't so. help them. Yeah. And like I said, sort of right players, right time. You mm-hmm. you can you can do a character reference when you're signing a player to a point, but I don't know if you if you've all come through the ranks together and you've all gone up through the divisions together, it's hard to because you normally handpick players for their uh, put it their skill levels and their ability. But with Wimbledon, it was almost like they had to have that personality and character almost first, mm-hmm. and then you thought about the football ability. That kind yeah. of makes sense. It's um, yeah, it's a really unique thing, and to try and replace that is is difficult. You know? Um, so yeah, yeah, and you know, it was only after, and you look back and understand a, a bit more about what was going on. Um, you know, I I had no idea at the time about the whole infamous picture of Vinnie Jones grabbing uh, grabbing Gascoigne. Yep. And uh, years later, I saw a, an interview with Gazza, and basically Vinnie had, had come up to him at, at the start of the game and, and basically said, I'm, I'm marking you, fat boy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he followed him everywhere on the pitch. And Vinnie Jones had a, had a good old long throw on him as well. And uh, at some point in the game, there, there was call for that. So he'd, he'd basically turned around to Gascoigne and said, right, I need to go and take this throw in. You wait here and I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Gascoigne was laughing about it, you know, telling the story. Um, but I can imagine at, at the time Vinnie was pretty deadly serious about it, you know. So... So anyway, so they lost all their, that group of players um, and that core group of, of personalities. And I guess despite having, uh, you know, pretty good, a, a decent league position year on year, the, the crowds never really came. And so with that, they're, they're always trying to balance the books. Yeah. And I, I don't quite remember what happened after that i remember i remember sam haman was the chairman at the time do you do you remember i don't remember it that clearly they just seem like you said they just seemed to sell off all the best players didn't really re- reinvest in the team there was all the you know were they going to stay at sellers park or not and then yeah all of a sudden they became mk dons mm-hmm. it was just kind of I guess that was the the first nail in the coffin, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, they they moved away from Plough Lane, and so we're we're using uh, Selhurst Parks, so Crystal Palace's ground. And I'm I'm sure I remember there was there was talk about you know building a new ground um, for a for a few years there, but it just never seemed to to happen. And then. You know, all of a sudden it seems to be, well, we're going to play in Milton Keynes. And if anyone's not quite that clued up on their geography, um, to understand how how upset the Wimbledon fans would be, I, I guess just look at look at a map and you'll see it's it's not very close at all. It's, what, 40, 50 miles, 40, 50 miles, probably? Easy. Now, I think they... They kept the Wimbledon name initially, I seem to remember. Um, And, you know, I do remember them getting and and probably continue to get quite a lot of stick because, you know, it happens a lot more in the the US. It doesn't happen, you know, 
frequently, but a lot more frequently than it does here, where a certain franchise is picked up from a particular state and then moved to another state. Um, But over here, I think, you know, I, I can't separate the club from the location. It's just a crazy, yeah, we've club over. We're gonna, yeah, it's like just stealing a club. So I think effectively, it's it's stealing for me. It's stealing a club's position in the league. Um, and I, I should say, so obviously Ben, Ben, you know, but just just for the listeners, so I do actually live. So Milton Keynes is my closest uh, top flight club. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I do go down there, uh, take the kids down there, you know, um, probably on, on average every month or so. Um, and it's it's just good to watch. Uh, not quite the top flight football, but good, uh, good standard professional football. Although this season, not so much, but uh, <laughs> it's just good to see the pros at it, you know. Yeah. You know, they... They did effectively, you know, occupy the position of, you know, what was formerly Wimbledon FC, uh, who obviously went into administration. Yep. But Ben, I, I guess you're nowadays you're uh, you do have certain ties to Wimbledon as well. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Evie Evie plays for them, and um, it's a real. It comes across as a real family family club now, and. I think that comes from those dedicated, brilliant supporters starting from scratch. And I think you've, you've again, similar to the Crazy Gang story, it's that whole spirit um, and collective unity that have dragged them back to where they are. And again, it's an incredible, when we say, <laughs> almost contradicting myself, saying it won't be repeated. It kind of has to a point because I, mean, I can't remember how many divisions below the league they refounded and started again it was i think it's it's something crazy like six six, seven divisions below the football league Mm -hmm. you know they were a long long way down and they've had these this ridiculous run of promotions and i think that's partly because they're kind of a big name draw i suppose when you're that far down people remember the name and people probably want to come and play for you and they've got that hardcore support ready-made support so it's not like starting a team from scratch and you've got no support. You've got that support and people want to desperately revive that club. And it's just seen them, you know, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've, I know a Wimbledon fan mm-hmm. quite well and he goes to every game. And, uh, of course, they're, they're grumbling because they're near the bottom of League One. And they don't like this, that and the other. But they've got to think, I guess you've got to stop and sometimes think how far they've grown in the last 10 years being seven eight promotions it's it's crazy very very short space of time and that momentum has carried them to where they are and yeah i do i do hope they also think there's good news now on getting back to plough lane hopefully i'm right they're going going back i believe so yeah i think they've kind of got planning permission all sorted i don't know the ins and outs of it but i think they've finally got agreement on going back to plough lane and building a new stadium so you know, once they get back in there and they've got their proper own home back, mm-hmm. guys are limited again. And who knows? Maybe they can get back to the promised land. It'd be difficult, but they've got this far, so why not? 
Well, I think one thing they'll, they'll probably uh, be a little bit happy about is obviously MK Dons are, are struggling down in the relegation zone at the minute and uh, Wimbledon are just outside. So, you know, there's there's no love lost there at all. Yeah, there's a bit of injury, yeah, definitely a bit of needle there when they play. Yeah. Well, let's hope they both stay up. Um, it's, it's good to have a, a good footballing rivalry in the in the same division. Okay, I, I think that's that's it from my side. Anything else, Ben? You want to say on the on the crazy gang? I don't think so. I think that's me. That's me done. Okay, cool. Let's wrap it up then. You've been listening to the Grassroots Coachcast. If you do like the show, then please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast catcher of choice. And while you're there, we really do appreciate those five star reviews or a go lato that helps other people find the podcast. You can get in touch with us by email at grassrootscoachcast at gmail.com or if you want to tweet us at grootscoachcast, we'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening and we will speak to you guys next week. And Ben, just one more thing. It's been emotional. <laughs>